Warning. The following program may contain traces of irony, sarcasm, satire, parody, mockery, banter, caricature, and nuts. The opinions expressed are almost certainly not shared by self-appointed officious dictatorial wowsers. If you are dangerously irony deficient or allergic to mockery of the self-important and corrupt, then get a life. And this would be environmental as anything. Welcome to another Saturday afternoon, jam-packed with all the news we've been able to muster on planet Earth. And uh, what a week it's been, as always. But first of all, I should say thank you to the Bunjalung Nation for hosting us here on their land. Uh, This land was never ceded and uh, we pay respects to elders past, present and emerging and uh, promise that we're doing our best to clean up the mess that our people have left. Uh, It's been a great party. But it's uh, time for us all to sort of start to to make uh, things right. So uh, thank you to the Widgible Wible people for having us here. And uh, what a beautiful week it's been here in uh, the Northern Rivers of New South Wales. We are indeed fortunate not to be tinder dry as uh, it would have been just 12 months ago. So uh, we've uh, we've got some uh, some lovely moist uh, weather. Some actual, it felt like this morning at the the farmers market. So I was chatting with uh, some mates down there and commenting that it feels like we're living in the subtropics again. Is anybody anybody else uh, getting that sense that maybe we're uh, actually uh, in the right place at the right time at this uh, this moment? But. Uh, Anyway, look, let's not get too complacent about it. Of course, we still are in the midst of a climate emergency, but uh, we have got everything that we need to be able to fix that problem and move on. We'll be dealing with uh, some of that later in the show. I've got a jam-packed show coming up. Uh, I've, got a, uh, I've got a nana from the, uh, the Nanas for Native Forests in WA, uh, this is a group you may not have heard of. I think they may be uh, vaguely related to our very own knitting nanas, um, but uh, they are uh, they are over there a long way away. They do things slightly differently in WA, and so we're going to hear all about uh, the nanas and the WA uh, a- a- events uh, of, of the forests over there, how they're uh, standing up for their native forests and uh, making a big difference. Um, then we're going to be talking to, um, well, we're going to have uh, Ian Sutton back and long-term listeners of the show will remember Ian was here before the, the long, long ago in the distant past, before the uh, uh, global pandemic came and interrupted so many uh, things. He was off uh, on an odyssey down the length of the Murray-Darling and uh, exploring the Murray-Darling's, uh, you know, ins and outs and the, and just getting a first-hand uh, look at, at what was going on at the Murray-Darling and, and meeting up with the locals and getting their stories on what was happening there. And so he was giving us, a, oh, I think, a pretty regular weekly update on uh, his odyssey down the Murray-Darling. And uh, uh, so Ian is back on track, back on the track, He's going out to the uh, – he's out on the, ri- the river and uh, he's standing up for the river and he's jo- gathering around him and, and with him um, an, an enormous uh, force 
that to be reckoned with. The community out there are sick of having their river drained dry uh, by uh, pernicious uh, profit takers and rent seekers and uh, they are looking to uh, restore the glory of that once great waterway. And so we'll have, uh, we'll have Ian on the show later on to talk to us about what he's finding out there and how the community's uh, getting organised. And, of course, what we can do to help. Um, also, we'll be talking to um, the... Oh, well, uh, we've been waiting for a long time for Eve Sinton from uh, the Fossil Fool Bulletin to come on board with the show. We've been... Uh, we've talked, again, pre-COVID. We've been discussing this since pre-COVID times uh, and... Uh, we're going to have a, a, a period of time that we call PC from now on, I think. Anyway, it was, it was PC. We were talking about this. Uh, I remember having lunch with Eve and discussing that she should come on the show and, and talk, talk us through the, uh, the monthly Fossil Fool Bulletin. It is an august uh, publication which, uh, which focuses uh, on, the, on the doings of the gas industry and uh, the community's actions to protect themselves from uh, its attacks. So we're going to have uh, Eve on air to talk us through this, uh, like, well, just December, at the end of December, there was a uh, uh, fossil fuel, the latest fossil fuel bulletin was released and we're going to get Eve on to talk us through that presently. And of course, you can always contact Environmental as anything, anytime you like, with uh, th- via Facebook and or Twitter. You can look for Environmental as anything on Twitter. We've got a, uh, a Twitter, an active Twitter presence there. Also uh, on Facebook, we are the, uh, the Environmental as anything page. So you can always drop us a message or post something up onto our page. We'll be happy to share that around if uh, if it's relevant to you know environmental causes and uh, and and concerns. So before we get too much further in, I was going to just quickly talk. Uh, about the events of the week, not strictly on the environment, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the treasonous rabble of Trump's chumps who, uh, who were in the Capitol building uh, last week. I, I don't mean the rioters. I mean the uh, legislators who refused point blank to vote for the actual... Uh, the, 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 for the, to do their job and officiate... The, uh, the the election results, which were uh, which have been more hotly contested than any other election, perhaps in history, in American history at least, and have been found by uh, sixty different courts to have no cause uh, for any question of their legitimacy. Uh, not just the every single uh, Republican and Democrat uh, state uh, authority who is responsible over there, that they are responsible state by state for vo- counting and officiating over the votes. Every single uh, state has officiated, uh, whether, regardless of whether they were uh, Republican or Democrat. And then uh, 60 different courts, many of the uh, judges actually appointed by Trump or appointed by other Republicans, all uh, agreeing that there was no evidence to suggest that there was any illegalities, any significant degree of fraud. There was nothing to question the election on. And yet we still have uh, Trumpsky standing up, doing the bidding of his masters and undermining the democratic process and his moronic minions charging on the democratic process, trying to bring it down 
and uh, and it wasn't just as I say the thuggish uh, morons who uh, who went out there and uh, and took over the building. It was those uh, you know thuggish morons who were already in the chamber voting against the election. They are the treasonous rabble that, uh, that really need to be brought to justice in this situation. They are not uh, representing uh, the, the interests of their nation or the, the democracy that we all strive to achieve. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, I'm, uh, I'm not starry-eyed about how democratic processes work. I certainly don't think the US democratic processes are perfect and I certainly don't think our democratic processes are perfect. I just think they're the best we happen to have right now. If they need to be improved, they need to be improved with non-violent uh, protest, if need be, and, and, but even more so with uh, non-violent and uh, respectful engagement uh, with the processes uh, and, you know, all the improvements which we have achieved over the centuries have uh, ultimately come from uh, that kind of uh, progress and the kinds of uprisings, these violent uprisings that these people seem to think that they have a right to uh, to in- indulge in uh, are absolutely counterproductive in my view. So anyway, I've been, I've been a bit preoccupied with that. I wanted to get that off my chest. Sorry for sharing that with you. I hope it's not oversharing. The other thing I've been uh, get, wanting to get off my chest is freedom of speech. We all have it. We all enjoy it. It's vitally important to those dem- democratic processes. Uh, the reason it's vitally important is because we have the freedom to speak the truth. Without the freedom to speak the truth, there is no democracy. There is no hope for progress. But we do not have the freedom to speak lies. Lies, uh, uh, incitement to violence, uh, abuse, threats, these are not uh, covered under freedom of speech. You do not have the freedom to, uh, especially if you are a public figure in an office in which you are trusted to, uh, to represent your constituents, you do not have the right uh, under freedom of speech to, to simply tell lies which, uh, which cause confusion and uh, disruption. So uh, we have some in Australia, getting this is all bringing it a little bit closer to home, who are bleating that their freedom of speech has been impinged upon. There are those who are bleating about, oh, President Trump can't tweet anymore. Did him, with him. I don't know if he looked at the terms and conditions when he signed up to Twitter, but they do actually have standards which you are expected to obey, which we are all expected to obey. Any of us who, who sign up for their commercial service are expected to have... So they're fairly minimal. The standards that they uh, that they adhere to are fairly minimal and, and Trumpsky has breached them consistently, aggressively and without, with impunity up to the point of last week. And then when they finally got around to actually enforcing the community standards on him, there's this outburst, this outburst of crocodile tears for freedom of speech. Well, excuse me, uh, no... You don't have the freedom of speech to, to vilify and abuse and threaten and lie. And, and you do not have... Uh, and Twitter is not responsible for ensuring that your freedom to do so is, uh, is upheld against all sense and reason. And here in Australia, we have similar, uh, you know, 
dregs of society uh, who are uh, uh, posing as representatives for their electorates, uh, standing up and and just bald-faced lying about, well, the American election, about climate change, about COVID-19, about just about anything of importance and significance that they can uh, get a bit of a media grab about. These uh, pathetic fascists uh, need to be brought to brook. Their freedom of speech does not include uh, lying to us and threatening us and causing confusion and disruption to the services which are essential in uh, the climate emergency and essential in the uh, the pandemic. Anyway, that's my two cents worth. Thought I'd launch into the show with a bit of uh, getting that off my chest. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being with me on that. <laughs> Well, as I promised you, uh, the uh, the Fossil Fool Bulletin is out just uh, at the end of December and Eve Sinton has been working hard on those Fossil Fool Bulletins uh, for, oh, goodness me, I don't know how long, um, Has uh, is, is with us on the line after having waited so patiently throughout the COVID crisis uh, to join Environmental As Anything. Eve, can you hear me there? Yes, I certainly can. Oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Wow. Well, look, uh, what a what a year it's been, hey? It sure has. Um, it's it's been, you know, an awful year for the virus, for uh, for the violence in America, and it really hasn't been a great year for climate news and sustainability either. No, far too often that that's the case, isn't it? Uh, the, the, there's been far too much in the way of bad news uh, uh, going around, but uh, you know, some glimmers of hope, I still think. Yes, well, people are starting to fight back. And, uh, you know, we had the Narrabri gas field approval, which upset a lot of people uh, recently. But a community group um, has uh, joined forces with the Environmental Defender's Office to go to court and challenge the approval of the Narrabri gas field. Well, that's... Um, It's a group called the Malaylee Gas and Pipeline Accord. Yep. Uh, is there any chance you you get uh, any closer to your speaker there, uh, Eve? I'm just having a bit of difficulty with the audio here at this end. All right, I'm right up against the microphone. Okay, that's okay. It's just a bit difficult. We're working uh, working under difficult conditions. As I said, the uh, the phone system went down here, and we're trying to uh, use our mobile phones to uh, to do that. If you just hang on a second, can you just hang on a second? I'll try something different. Uh, so the the court, uh, the, the EDO, uh, who are they taking to court? Um, yes, and I'm represented by the EDO. And they're, um, they're going to say the, uh, the Independent Planning Commission, or IPC, uh, failed to, to consider the environmental impacts of the emissions and also the pipeline that's going to have to be built to service the gas field. Right, and and who are they representing in this case? The Malali Gas and Pipeline Accord, which is about 100 local farmers and residents um, around the town of Malali, which is just near Narrabri. Okay, right, so that's a a significant uh, group of locals who are obviously, uh, you know, not going to take this lying down. 
Yeah, that's right. And they, they have previous experience out there of the damage that a pipeline can do. The type of soils out near Narrabri, um, they're very unstable. They shift a lot. They, they're a big contrast between wet and dry times. And I've seen pictures of, you know, really scary erosion, which uh, exposes the pipeline to risks of, you know, rupture and explosion. So I wouldn't want to live right next to it, that's for sure. <laughs> No, I don't think anybody wants to live next to any of these uh, these fossil fuel developments, do they? <laughs> so what other stories... That's what, right. And what, then if, sorry, I interrupted you sorry, there. Sorry. Well, yeah, then there's the, um, the fact that the court didn't properly consider the, um, the greenhouse gas emissions from the... Uh, the gas fields, um, they sort of compared it to coal where there's no evidence that it will actually replace coal anywhere. Um, and you've got a lot of CO2 and methane, they're both very dangerous for the climate. So we're going to see those issues get a run before the Land and Environment Court. Right. Well, that's uh, that, that sounds like a, a worthwhile uh, action. Yeah, and the EDO is a very busy organisation because over in Western Australia, they're representing the uh, Conservation Council of Western Australia and they've started a, a challenge to a massive gas project um, from Woodside. It's called the Burrup Hub, Hub, Burrup Hub LNG Expansion. Um, now, that's going to cause massive amounts of pollution um, to the atmosphere. And it got through by them just sneakily tweaking conditions of approval. So what's finally been approved is way, way bigger than the initial proposition. And people are saying they didn't have a fair chance to, uh, you know, to gather evidence against what's finally been approved. No, no, no. Well, it's it's just uh, typical of the uh, of these processes, isn't it? That they uh, that they don't get uh, properly assessed. If they're uh, if there seems to be uh, the government seems to be getting behind them, then they'll uh, they'll just uh, just give them the big green light by the looks of things. Yeah, and this uh, this project, according to the uh, CCWA, is equal to building 35 new coal-fired power stations every year until 2027. Oh, my gosh. Oh which, my which is staggering. That's and in addition to that, the acid uh, air, gas, gas emissions um, are corrosive of the unique Aboriginal rock art in the area on the Burrup Peninsula. It, it corrodes away the petroglyphs, um, and, and this has been given very little, if any, consideration. Um, and th that is, you know, global history. It's as valuable as the Jukan Gorge caves and all the other wonderful Aboriginal history we have in this land. And it, it really must be taken into account when they're giving permission for this kind of project. Mm, mm. No, that's right. Again, uh, the uh, the riding roughshod over our Australian uh, cultural heritage, uh, and, uh, and and you know, again, as you mentioned, the Duke and Gorge example, it's uh, caused so much in the way of ructions, but doesn't seem to have changed a lot, unfortunately. So that's all the Woodside Gas Project. No. That's all. That, that's all in the uh, Woodside Gas Project taken to Supreme Court by Conservation Council of WA and EDO story. That's that's uh, page two, isn't it? 
of the of yes, the, the, right. of the bulletin. Um, page three, page three. So you've got we, Morrison handing out fifty millions to prop up uh, the gas industry. Yes, so of course, um, the Morrison government appointed a commission, a gas industry stacked commission, to dictate the economic recovery from COVID. Um, so, unsurprisingly, their program you know, amounts to massive gas industry subsidies. So one of the latest things is they're going to give $50 million of Australian taxpayers' money um, to encourage the development of the industry in the Northern Territory. Um, and Territorians um, are not impressed. There's an outfit called Protect Country Alliance, and they say... That the announcement shows that fracking the Beetaloo Basin in the Northern Territory isn't economically viable without massive subsidies. And it's uh, it's really bad value for money because the, uh, the gas industry creates very few jobs in comparison to almost any other industry. So if they decided to put money, say, into education, or services, they would have. The government would have generated far more jobs than they'll ever generate from a gas industry. Yeah, it's outrageous. And and as you said, Australian taxpayers should be utterly outraged by this decision. Really, the European Commission has proposed rules to restrict this kind of uh, uh, feather bedding for the uh, for the fossil fools and uh, and in funneling cash into low carbon technologies to meet climate goals, but uh, but not here in Australia, apparently. No, and it, it even destroys jobs. You know, they they did research in Queensland when the fracking industry moved in, and uh, for every ten new jobs in coal seam gas and fracking, they lost eighteen jobs in agriculture. Yeah. Um. So it it's just you know a dead loss, and of course you know it's ter- it's very dangerous for air pollution, for groundwater pollution. Um, and just simple, absolute waste of water. Um, so, you know, it's a really toxic industry and it's just a waste of time as far as employment and economic development go. Yeah, yeah, no, appalling, appalling. But as you say, there's um, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, community outrage, there's a lot of uh, community support, growing community support, and there's even, uh, you know, prominent sporting figures, uh, uh, the uh, David Pocock. Uh, joining the board of uh, of Lock the Gate. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, now he achieved fame in the uh, the anti gas world by chaining himself to equipment um, to protect um, land from coal and gas exploitation. So yep, I mean, um, achieved. And, you know, he's a, a very public figure. Achieved a lot uh, of fame as charisma. the that's right. He's got the captain of the Australian Wallabies rugby union team. It's a uh, uh, he's a prominent figure. A lot of people will be able to identify with. Yeah, that's great. And so he's on the board of Lock the Gate Alliance, and um, that organisation is putting in a very solid effort to oppose the expansion of the gas industry. So I'm sure he'll be a real asset. Absolutely. Well, uh, look, Eve. It's it's actually a really dense and uh, and and thoroughly in, informative uh, publication. Uh, the the, uh, the the fossil fuel bulletin. I, I hope you'll be able to come in and give us a uh, a, 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 a synopsis uh, when when the next one comes through. I'm a huge file of news building up already. It just never stops, <laughs> and uh, people can see it at. Uh, we've got a website 
fossilfull.com.au. Check that out and you'll see uh, a lot of our work there. Yep, it's easy enough, and it's 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 put into a very uh, very print friendly format. So if you want to, uh, you know, print it off and share it with your friends, it's uh, it's it's like a, a magazine, really. The, the way that it's laid out, it's beautifully done, and uh, and and very approachable. If people, it's the kind of thing. It's really really good coffee table, or uh, you know, uh, in in the library, you know, in the dunny, wherever you're, uh, you you tend to sit and read. It might be a, a good good one to have there because it's uh, it's full. Of, of detailed and specific information about what's going on in the fossil fuel, uh, you know, as the fossil fuels decline. Well, thank you, Eve, for, uh, for joining, us to, joining us today. Technology uh, being what it is and, and uh, when, it, when it works, it's a miracle. And uh, when, when we can manage to cobble it together like we did today, we're, we're doing pretty well. So thanks for, for jumping those hurdles with me today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Sean. Uh, and I'm enjoying the show. Oh, good, good. Uh, well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Eve. Okay. Keep Bye. up the good work. Cheerio. Cheerio. Okay, that was Eve Sinton from the Fossil Fool Bulletin, bringing us up to date with some of the lead stories in that uh, August, August journal. It's, uh, it's actually, there's actually 14 pages of... Uh, of Highly researched, uh, well presented uh, evidence and in, and news on the uh, on the fossil fuel industry. So if you're uh, you're interested in getting the details of what's going on, you could do a lot worse than to look that one up. Most Aussies are embarrassed and appalled to have to acknowledge the fact that we have left the Murray-Darling Basin in, in terrible shape uh, as a result of uh, abuse by those in power and those who uh, would seize power from them. And uh, out there in the field, we have our very own Ian Sutton. He's been uh, working with Environmental as Anything for quite a while now, uh, getting the message out about the Murray Darling. He's actually out there in the field where he is, uh, I think, resuming or at least uh, you know, the the odyssey that he was on uh, before we were so he was so rudely interrupted by COVID nineteen. But uh, yeah, it's uh, really good to have you back on the show, Ian. Are you? Can you hear me? I can hear you, Sean. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Uh, you know, like it's uh, how, how's things? How are you? How's how's things after post COVID for you? How, um, well, one thing I'm happy about is I've come back to Kenya and the community are still keen and ready to rock and roll and uh, are really keen to get something done about this uh, this Darling River and the whole catchment. So, yeah, I was, I was really, really surprised at how keen they were to be quickly back into action again. It was really good. Yep. So how's the river looking at Will Kenya? Give us a, a quick idea about what, what the situation is out there, mate. Um, almost empty. They're behind the, the Wilkenia Weir, the Wilkenia Weir, they, uh, there's a bit of water behind that weir, but pretty much other than behind the weir, the, the river's close to empty. A few little ponds here and there, but of course they're green and slimy and uh, you know, not drinkable. So, you know, it's, it's looking terrible, mate. It's looking terrible, considering we've had what you consider a reasonably good wet year. Yeah. Um, where we should have come out of drought, we should have had these rivers overflowing. You know, the rivers should have overflowed, flooded the floodplains, refilled the, the ground tables and the aquifers, topped up the lakes and the wetlands. And to this point, 
there hasn't been enough water coming down to even overflow the, the channel. So we've had no flooding whatsoever down here. So we have not come out of drought, even though we've had a great year. That and is, that's serious for these guys. That is shocking. So where's where's the water going? What's what's going on there? Um, well, <laughs> it's a long and complicated story, but basically it comes down to what's happening up in the northern basin. Um, we've got too many um, people or too many things taking water out of the river, so we've got the floodplain harvesting, of course, that occurs when we've got rainfall and when there's a lot of water running across the land. That restricts the water from even getting into the rivers. It restricts the water from spreading out across the floodplains and infiltrating into the ground and filling the aquifers. And then once the, the rains are over and they've trapped all that water, any water that does get into the rivers, of course, they start pumping it out into their dams. So between those two processes... You can have an awful lot of rain up north and very little of it gets down here. Yeah. And very little to the point where it only only the, the river channel fills nothing. And these guys truly to come out of drought need their entire floodplains flooded and that just hasn't happened. Right. So really they've gone through the worst drought we've ever had and a year into a good rain and they still haven't come out of drought. Wow. So I'm not sure what's going to happen when we go into the next drought. These guys have no chance down here. Yeah, right. So um, when you say they, the people, the, these these dams, who who do they belong to upstream? What, 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 what? Um, well, you've got, I mean, a lot of it is cotton irrigation, but you've got to remember this, you've got to separate between the large corporate corridor, cotton irrigators and your average cotton farmer because even though cotton all round probably isn't suitable for up there anyway, you, know, you don't want to grow, grow a plant in, an arid, in a semi-arid region that needs a lot of water. So uh, straight off the bat, that's not a great idea. But what we've got, though, is we've got corporations up there that are not just, they're, they're growing cotton, but they're actually filling dams with, you know, as much as a Sydney Harbour's worth of water. Now, who needs a Sydney Harbour's worth of water to grow a cotton field? Nobody needs to do that. So that is obviously linked with water trading and manipulation of the water market, and that is where the big problem is, the massive problem. So a lot of, even a lot of the farmers down here and a lot of the irrigators in, in South Australia and Victoria, They've got not enough water or they're having problems too because the corporate guys are taking it all. They're taking, I believe when I did my research last year that about 75% of the water taken by the cotton industry is by four corporations. So you can imagine how right. many other Aussie farmers are going without. Right. So it's all of the mums and dads of the farmers and the, and the various different uh, family concerns going down the river that are suffering for these four big corporations taking yeah. 75% of the water. Well, that's pretty straightforward, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is. And remembering they're taking so much water that it's it's way more than you would ever need to have a farming enterprise. So that water is there for some other purpose. And the reasons that I've gathered through my research is if you can suck the rivers dry, take all the water, hold the water, you cause the price of water to go up because there's now much not, not much of it. It's hard to access and the price of water goes through the roof. Now these guys can sell the water to whoever can afford it and it ain't the Aussie farmers who can afford it. It's the miners and the mining corporations. So it's kind of all colluding together in a manipulation of the market and that is really what's happening and that is the major problem that's going on. Yeah. Well, so uh, so, what's to be done? What what's to be done about it, mate? What what's what are you um, what what are you finding that the farmers and and the communities up there are are, are wanting to do about it? Um, oh, look, <laughs> I don't want to say what they're wanting to do about it. It's what it's um, you know, people are in serious, desperate situations in some parts of this country. Like down here, you know, the, oh, I was talking to farmers last year who. They have million-dollar machinery sitting in their paddock that isn't getting used, and they're coming in to get food and water handouts. 
You know, that's a, so I'm not just talking about the impoverished people or Aboriginal yeah. communities or anything like that. We're talking across the board that people are suffering greatly. And when people start to suffer greatly and their families are at risk, they start to get ideas and concepts that aren't, aren't you know, not what I want to see in Australia. So that's why we need to do something that we can all peaceably work together and make something happen with what's going on with the water. Because I'm, I'm afraid that things are start, uh, could get out of hand or, or, or a bit crazy here in Western in West New South Wales if we don't sort this water issue out. Because people can only get so desperate before they take action. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you're calling for some positive and uh, and moderate action on uh, you know like a, what 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 is it that uh, that you're trying to uh, to to advocate for out there? Okay, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get all of the communities within the Murray Darling Basin to work together because we've got voices, we've got lone voices calling from you know Victoria, and we've got lone voices down here, and some in. Um, you know, Queensland, and they're all calling. I'm just trying to get everyone to come all together. On a day I'm calling United We Stand. And because this issue is so important and so vital for Australia, because don't forget, this is our primary food bowl. We're talking about desertification that's spreading through our primary food bowl at an unbelievable rate. And and it's not natural. It's not drought. It's the it's the stealing of water. Do you know the flood that we, we had, the flood that last year, the massive rains that they got? Yep. We didn't get the water down here. The massive rains you guys just got, yep. it stopped flowing at Warren and we yesterday, which means we're not going to get the water down here, which means they've stolen two floods that should have kept these communities alive and kicking. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. It's just beyond control. So what I'm trying to do is I'm, going to, I'm trying to get all of South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland farmers and communities and Aboriginal communities and everybody working together. And on the day of Australia Day, and we've decided Australia Day because it's such an important issue that we've got to try and make as much noise as we can. And that's a day where people will be watching, people overseas will be watching. We might be able to get world attention. So it's called United We Stand, and it's pretty much all the communities do their own actions. It can either be, a, and it's all peaceful. Everything is peaceful. So it's a peaceful day of community action. And some might choose to just have a gathering, and in that gathering they might do a ceremony. It might be a ceremony, a smoking ceremony for the water, or it could be some sort of thing to show your appreciation, your respect for the water, and your desire to have it back. That'll be filmed, photos taken, and all put up on Facebook. Because because these communities are so remote, they're not going to be seen unless we, we go sort of onto the internet with it. No, we've got to be the media we want to see, mate. That's the only way these days. That's right. So that's one choice. The other choice is a protest. Some communities might decide they want to do a protest and hold banners and, and have guest speakers and do that whole process. That'll all be filmed, uh, photos taken and uploaded onto... And I've got a site called um, Murray Darling Basin uh, Water is Life. So everyone's joining that site and everyone will be posting to that site and then um, tagging their state government, their... Uh, the federal government and as many other groups and organisations as they can so that we're trying to create a media storm with everyone in the Dar in the Murray-Darling all going together. And then there's a third choice, and this is just a choice because I like to give everybody a choice. There's a choice of peaceful direct action. So some groups might choose that things are so serious at this point, they might choose to go to peaceful direct action on that day. Yep. So it's it's just a day that is offering every community person with all of the, you know, some people are a bit conservative and may not be agreeing with direct action. They might do a peaceful protest. They might do a peaceful gathering. But I'm giving the opportunity for all people to stand up on that day and really let 
let the government, and more importantly, because I don't think the government will act no matter what we do. I think more importantly, it's to let the people living in the cities, let the people know what is happening out here, what is happening to their food security and their water security, and they really need to be as concerned as the people out here. Because once this place dies, where do we get our food from? Where do we get our water from? This is, and it's happening not just in the Murray-Darling Basin, it's happening all over Australia, many food bowls. Yeah. It's just that Western New South Wales is like the canary in the coal mine. It's really collapsing now, and, and, and we I'm getting to see an entire ecosystem collapse in front of me, and it's the most frightening thing I've ever seen. Mm, mm. So that's what we need to be concerned about. So it's, it's really get the message to the city folk, and the city folk need to stand up with us because Australia is going to go down if we don't do something about this. And with all the things that happen with COVID, all the things that are distracting us at the moment, this thing's just collapsing in front of my eyes. Like it's, I was here for a week and a half, and I was almost couldn't stop myself from crying. It was just, and it's going to happen again. It's just... What, what, I'm seeing it. It's just crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, mate. I, I, I feel your pain. It's, it's, uh, it's an appalling situation for for people out there, as you say. You know, the people who who are desperately, uh, uh, you know, just having to truck water in and 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 in fact, you know, go out and and ask for food handouts. This is the food bowl of Australia. And, and, yeah. and, you know, really hardworking people with, with long-standing connections out there, mm-hmm. you know, what you're talking about, it's, it's uh, I, I could understand why you'd be brought to tears. Yeah, right? and things are a little better than when I was here last year because it was at the end of the very worst drought we had. Yeah. And uh, I'd never seen such desperate people. And remember, we got no support. There was no government shipment of food. There was no government shipment of water. The only people that helped these people were community groups that jumped on board. So we had, we had homeless people in Sydney organising water shipments out here for these guys because the government did not act. Yeah. So that's my worry. And we're now a year out of that drought. And these guys, yes, they've had a little bit of rain down here, but not enough to do them any good, not not to fill aquifers and fill ground tables and prepare them, mm. just enough to wet the ground so they've got a bit of green around. It looks a little better. But you got to remember where our droughts are getting more severe, they're getting longer, things are getting... These guys will not even survive a year in the next drought, let alone another 10-year drought. No. So that is the worry that I've got. And anywhere down, pretty much south of Burke, Burke seems to get a bit of water in there, but it doesn't seem to get past there. So anywhere down in this area, it's just a shocking state. And you got to remember, too, that this area was a thriving wetland system. The Menindee Lakes was a wetland system equivalent to Kakadu. Yeah. And, and that wetland system produces so much evaporation trans- off, the, off the water and the trees and the plants that it created a low-pressure system that drew moisture in off the ocean. So it was drawing rain into these areas. That's all shut down now. That body pump is all shut down now, and the whole place is just turning to a desert. And, it's, mm-hmm. and desertification, one thing about desertification is it spreads like a cancer. It doesn't just pop up in a spot and then go, okay, I'll just take this spot. It reduces rainfall, it then causes vegetation nearby to die, then it expands itself, and it just continues to grow and grow and it is growing at a rapid rate in our major food bowl and the government don't seem to be even looking at it i mean they're pretty much in my observation and what i've been studying they're colluding with these corporations and they're just as corrupt as the corporations and they don't give a damn about us they don't give a damn about us they're in there for the money and and, they're looking economics and the water trading we have a two billion dollar water trading industry in australia the biggest in the world and we're the driest country in the world and it's completely unregulated being manipulated the Aussies are just getting scammed left, right and centre. Yeah, it's, it's just a, insane. It's a disgrace. It's a corrupt uh, disgrace. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the democratic uh, principles, uh, uh, you know, uh, include, uh, you know, honesty and, uh, you know, like, uh, and, and representing the needs of your of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that They're just being sold down the river literally here, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. And I don't know how long these people out here can stay 
calm and peaceful about it. It'll, and this is why I need to start getting these actions going. I need people to get involved, to demonstrate and stand up peacefully because we need to make this peaceful change before something not so peaceful begins to rumble out here. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a really important point, mate. So you, you were talking about the direct action side of things. I mean, what, what kinds of things are you hoping that people will do if they take up those peaceful direct actions? You know, when you, you're talking about those... Um, that... Well, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know and I don't want to be talking too much and I'm not sure what people are doing. I'm not actually really communicating with people. I'm letting community make it up and work out themselves. But things like, you know, at the Pilliga, do, do they, that, what's happening there with the coal seam gas, that's going to, if that goes ahead and that sucks the ground table, the, the aquifers dry beneath the Pilliga, that's the um, water source that trickle feeds springs that feeds these guys down here. So that just further causes desertification down here. Their plans for the coal seam gas up there is not just the Pilliga, 850 wells, that's just the start. They're going all through northwest New, um, New South Wales, probably like they have in Queensland. We're probably talking tens of thousands of wells. They're already sucking in Queensland in the Surratt Basin, a Sydney harbour's worth of water every year out of the ground. They start doing that here in the in the Western Ranges, and this place will die. So will Western New South Wales. So things like that, whether they, they choose to do some direct action that day, whether some people choose to do direct action outside, you know, block a, um, a, a corporate cotton farm, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not telling anyone to do anything. I'm just putting the idea that we need to do something. Oh, and... You know, how this all unfolds, I don't know, but all I know is that we need to make a noise, we need to make it loud, and we need to make... I'd love to say we need to get the government on board, but I just don't think that's possible. I just think we need to get the community movement and the community action, and for me, I would get this entire community, I'd just step in that river and start fixing it tomorrow. That's what I think we need to do. Mm. And we stop asking permission, we stop expecting anything from the government, and we just start fixing it ourselves. Farmers have tractors. Aboriginal elders and community have knowledge on how we do this. They're old fish traps, they're fish weir systems. That was all, uh, I know it was a, f- a food farming system, an aquaculture system, but it was also a system that held back water, created ponds so that in dry periods the, the river became a, a chain of ponds and they drought-proofed the country. We could be re-looking at things like that. All I know is that we need to take action now and we have to stop asking permission from the government. Yeah. We have to keep stop looking at them and saying, please, sir, can I have some more? Because mm. they ain't giving us any more. And we're all going to suffer greatly. Yeah. Mate, I just wanted to. I know you've you've uh, been distributing around this uh, this letter that you've uh, you're sending to the prime minister, and you're asking people. Mm-hmm. To, I think you're asking people to sign on. I just wanted to yeah. just read out a little bit of that, just to give people an idea of the kinds of things that you're saying. It says it says here just at the opening. Uh, it says, uh, "Dear Prime Minister, we the people of the Murray Darling Basin have been disgusted at the way we've been betrayed with the desecration, drainage, and destruction of our groundwater, river systems, wetlands, and lakes. This has resulted." in the devastation of our plants and animals, the expansion of the desertification throughout the Murray-Darling Basin, increased climate extremes and a rural economic collapse. Now, those are, those are uh, shocking circumstances that you're outlining there and, and a really very reasonable and, and moderate description of the, the facts on the ground, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And can I tell you, that letter's been sent out to, you know, local farmers, to communities, Aboriginal communities, to people, and I've got not one, one person say, oh, that's a bit extreme, and that's a bit much. I've got everyone saying, yes, that's what needs to be sent. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's uh, – and that's going to be done as an open letter. We did a letter with the um, – when we were here last time, we did a letter just representing Western New South Wales. It was a similar kind of letter. I edited this one from that one. We've been waiting nearly nine, ten months, I think. No reply, not a single word from the government. 
So I think we can give up on the government taking action. I think this open letter is more than if I just write a post on Facebook, very, you know, it might get to a few hundred, few thousand people if I'm lucky. If I do an open letter to the Prime Minister, that will get a lot more scope. It may even get media attention. It may get in papers. So really, that's the main aim of the open letter to the Prime Minister. Yeah. If he reads it and takes any sort of action at all, I will buddy be absolutely gobsmacked and surprised. But I think it comes back to we need, the community need to pull together, come together and just get this done. Because... Uh, like what's coming is horrific, man. I can I can see it coming now, and everything that's happened in Africa, everything they talk about with how that turned to a desert, that wasn't always like that. It was done through the poor management of water and irrigation and farming and all the rest. We're heading in that direction. I can see people out here that are going to be hungry. The people here talk to me about famine coming. It's not me saying it; they're saying it to me. Yeah. So, um, you know. Take action, guys. We've been talking about it. You know, the hippies brought this up in the 70s. They were saying it's coming. We're now 50 years later, and I'm telling you, it's here. It is absolutely here. And this is just the tip of the iceberg, what's happening here in Western New South Wales. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Ian, look, um, as always, it's great to hear from you. It's so inspiring to uh, to know you're out there, uh, you know, we're trying to, uh, to, to, to to give some leadership and uh, and to, to join in that community action out there. Uh, we really appreciate if you can keep us up to date with uh, how the progress of your action goes. Can I just say one more thing before you go? Sure. Can the, the, the process is for the Murray-Darling Basin community to all get up, but it doesn't mean the people in the cities and in the towns can't have their own little gatherings. All, the, all, the, all we need is to have people talking on the, on the videos, uploading into Facebook, people taking pictures, uploading into Facebook, and we just want to create a Facebook, oh, sorry, a, a social media storm because I'm going to get a Twitter page going as well. Mm-hmm. And we just want, if we've got hundreds of different groups and organisations all posting all, and smashing, we should be able to make a, critis, a Twitter storm or a Facebook storm that the rest of the world can't help but have to watch and see. Absolutely. That is really the aim. So where will people find you, mate? Where do people look you up and, and get involved with... Uh, with okay, the... so can you... Um, put links to things on your page. So there's my, my page, Ian Sutton, but then there's the page that I need people who want to get involved in the action on the day. They need to go on to, it's called MD, M, Murray Darling Basin. It's MDB, Water is Life. That's the name of the, the Facebook group. Okay. It's an open group. And the, the link is on my page as well, and I'll, I can send you the link if you don't have it. Yeah, and send me the link. that's the one that everyone needs to post onto. They can post on their own pages as well, but it needs to be posted onto that one so they can be, everything that goes up can be kept in intact. And also if people want to communicate all together, we've all got the one side to communicate with each other, and, you know, that's that's the best I could come up to because we've got such remote communities. How uh, We can protest all we look out here, but no one's going to even notice. So this is the only way I could come up with a way that not only Australians in the cities and towns can notice, but the rest of the world will have to take a peek as well. And that's that's where my head is anyway. Look, mate, that's uh, that's absolutely fine. I can see I've got the Murray-Darling Basin, the MDB Water is Life, Water is life. Uh, public group up in front of me right yeah. now. So I'll, I'll yeah. post that up to the Environmental as Anything page. Any other okay. links uh, to information that you want to share, just post them up there to the uh, Environmental as Anything yep. page. We're always happy to uh, share information with groups like yours that are, that are doing good work. Okay, and anyone who wants to join in, even if you're not going to do a protest, you might just want to do a quick film yourself about how disappointed you are with the, with the Murray-Darling Basin things going on and just post that up. It doesn't have to be a big ordeal. Everyone can just do their own thing if they don't want to organise a protest or, or a rally. Yep. Good one, mate. Well, thanks for and sharing that with us. Just join the Murray-Darling Basin page. Yep, we'll get that up there and get as many people onto it as we can. And uh, good luck. Good luck with your efforts out there. Good on you. All right, thank you so much. No worries. We'll talk soon, right. hey? Yep, see ya. Cheerio, Ian.
That was Ian Sutton in Wilcannia talking about uh, the the desperate situation for the communities uh, uh, up and down the Murray-Darling Basin, particularly in uh, northern New South Wales and western north, you know, in western New South Wales, uh, where they are not seeing any of the water which has uh, just fallen out of the sky and landed on the ground throughout, uh, you know, Queensland or, you know, that they've, uh, that should be flowing down the river, uh, being taken out of the river by uh, four major cotton corporations, uh, you know, essentially uh, stealing from everybody downstream. You know, know, when I say stealing, I mean, they have legal rights. It's it's rent-seeking behaviour. Anyway, thanks, Ian, for uh, for giving us that uh, report from out there. I'm sure we'll hear more from Ian uh, as the uh, the weeks and months go on uh, with progress on that campaign. I'm going to be speaking to the Nanas for Native Forest, uh, Peter Goodwin, is going to be joining me from Western Australia. We've been navigating not just the technology, but the uh, the time zones, and uh, but she'll be r- uh, ringing in to talk about the uh, the campaign they're running to save their native forests from logging. A very similar situation to what we have here over there. It sounds like, but uh, it will be good to hear the details from her. That is the theme music for the Nanas for Native Forests, a group that has spontaneously sprung up in Western Australia to protect their native forests over there. They are a, a dynamic bunch, the Western, Western Australian Forest Alliance, and they have led the way in many respects over the last 20 years in the forest activist movement. And uh, on the line, joining me from the uh, the Nanas for Native Forest, I actually am privileged to have uh, Peter Goodwin, all the way from Western Australia. Peter, can you hear me? I can. Hi, Sean. Oh, how are you going? How's the weather over there? Hot. Hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In a word. In a word, yes. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's lovely to have you in. You, your native forests are under threat, uh, as are those around the world from the, uh, the logging industry. Uh, yep. what, what are you uh, doing over there? What's, what's, what's this, this movement that sprung up, the Nanas? Well, it it sprung up in support of the Forest Alliance, who you mentioned before. Um, We're we're older, we're nanas, um, and we we thought to um, try and talk to a different section of society, us mainly, you know, the the people our age. And we all have children and grandchildren, and we're all really concerned about their future. So, um, yeah, that's how it sprang up, and it's kind of... I don't know, it seems to have caught the popular imagination somehow and we've got an awful lot of support 
and going gangbusters. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, we have our own, obviously, everyone has a nana, or not everyone has a nana, but everyone loves a nana. And yes. we have our own nanas over here who are a force of nature to be reckoned with. Yes. And uh, <laughs> you may have heard of them. Yes, I have. I've, so, I've looked at their Facebook page and we've pinched a few of our ideas off them. Oh, okay. So there's yep. a bit of, bit of cross-pollination going on because, there. Yes. And, yes. You're focusing your attention on on the native forest issue. A lot of our nanas over here deeply concerned about uh, native forests and have been actively out in our forests around this region as well. So it Mm. seems to Mm, be uh, yeah, it is. It's great to have uh, have that kind of uh, that kind of support. Um, Mm. So what's the focus for you? What's going on in your forests that you particularly want to uh, to change? Well, we want to stop the logging of our native forests Um, Mm -hmm. at, at the moment. Well, in 2000, the government over here declared that they had stopped the logging of all old-growth forests, and this was largely due to the work of the Forest Alliance. Um, but in actual fact, the logging has, has gone on a pace, and the old-growth definition has been really um, more in protection of the industry than of the forests. And so we, who, those of us who've been living here for over 40 years, have seen what's happening and we've seen the difference in our forests and it's along with um, the drying climate and the clearing of forests as well not, not just logging but the clearing of forests for mining and development right. it's um there only 10 percent of them left mm. yeah it's and shocking. there's only a small only a very small percentage of wa actually has forests anyway only the southwest Yes, and it's it's such a a, a remote uh, a location that it, it yes. there's such a unique. It actually develops quite unique ecosystems over there, doesn't it? It is, and we're we're a biodiversity hotspot down here in the southwest. We're also, unfortunately, Australia. I notice has just been named a um, deforestation hotspot. Yes. The Guardian mentioned it this week. So I don't know. There's a bit of tension between those two hotspots. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's right. That seems to be the ultimate tension, doesn't it? And, and you've mentioned mm. the the climate, uh, uh, you know, issue. Obviously, mm. there's a nexus between uh, biodiversity and uh, you know uh, carbon capture and storage, forest yep. biodiversity, yep. and also f- uh, for water, for actual yes. uh, for creating and storing rainfall. Yes, so exactly. Vitally important, I guess, in a, in such a dry climate as yours. Yes, and, and water's going, according to predictions, we're going to be very hard hit as far as water goes um, as, the, as the climate change progresses. And yet we're chopping down. And we also, want to, we emit the most carbon emissions in Australia, and Australia emits a lot of carbon emissions as a country as well. Yes. But WA's notorious. And, we're, and yet we're chopping down our only natural carbon sink. It's insanity, really. Yes. It's uh, yeah. it's very disturbing, um, it, yeah. you know, that this uh, this problem seems to be across the board. Do we have a yeah. uh, is is the uh, so the focus of your uh, activities um, obviously mm-hmm. is about your local forest, but is it is it just about your local politics? Do you think that there's a federal component to this? How do you see the politics? Um, I think I think there, obviously there is a federal component and there's a global component as well. But a lot of um, other countries in the world are tackling this head on. But our, we're we're concentrating on our state forests at the moment, and we're asking the government to immediately protect all of the native forests from logging. 
and and clearing and we want them to complete the transition which they've already started from native forest logging to plantations and farm forestry because farm forestry particularly is going to be beneficial to the areas that have already been cleared and plantation um They've already got a lot of plantations anyway. Plantation timber is is not a forest, no. but it works for the, the purposes for which we need those those timbers. Yes, no, a much mm. a, a much more uh, rational and uh, and and sustainable way for uh, them to to be able exactly. to to yes. develop those industries. Lo- logging is not sustainable. We can you can see the decline in the forests very very clearly they're mm. not growing back especially mm. the jarrah the jarrah does not recover carry forests grow back although the biodiversity is not the same the, the the community is not the same as it was but the the habitat losses um is very distressing too you know i have a friend who lives down in augusta which is about i don't know three quarters of an hour further south than margaret river she said last year she had two red-tailed black cockatoos living in her trees, her windbreak trees, um, which she was very proud of because they're they're endangered over here. This year, she said, we've got 39. And wow. at first I thought, well, what be? But then I realised the reason there are 39 red-tailed cockatoos taking refuge in her windbreak is because their forest is gone. Yeah, And right. they're not going to find enough food on her, on her place. No. You know, it's, it's a tragedy, and it's happening. It's, it's visibly happening. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is visibly happening. People are, are becoming more and more aware of it. It's it's been yes. difficult to uh, to grapple for some people. It's difficult to grapple with the science. It all seems a little bit remote. Um, mm, at mm, the same mm. time, of course, I know that the the Western the the, the WAFA, the Western Australian Forest Alliance, has been very heavily uh, you know based on that that science. So, did, did, yeah. what what are what is the science saying about that? Is 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 there anything that, uh, that, that you know compelling that can force the Western Australian government uh, to to take a pay, to pay attention to what might otherwise be seen as 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 anecdotal evidence. Well, you would imagine that the the science is fairly damning mm. um, and fairly conclusive and fairly broad. You know, it, it, it's so and it's fairly common sense too. I don't know. It's a bit of a mystery to us, to tell you the truth, as to why the government is not taking notice of us, because not only are they destroying our forests, but they're not making any money from it. They're actually losing money. These are state forests. They get to log them for nothing. They don't have to pay for the for the, the trees, and yet they sell them for wood chips, um, paper pulp, and firewood at a huge loss. It costs them more to log a tree than they get for it. So there is no... Um, economic reason why they keep doing this. So, really, we're not sure why they do. <laughs> no, no, well, that sounds very familiar. There's a there's a very similar situation where the economics just don't add up here in New South mm. Wales, and yet yes. they continue to uh, to to throw our forests into the chipper uh, and, mm. and and call mm. the forest waste. They just sort of just yes. redefine yes, it as exactly. as a form like if it's a waste. If they don't if they don't clear fell it, then whatever's left mm. standing they define as waste. Uh, which is very strange. But you, you do seem to be capturing, even if you haven't uh, necessarily up till now captured the uh, the attention of the uh, the state government, you've certainly captured the attention of a wide cross-section of the community. You've got doctors yes. for the environment uh, coming yes. on board. Yes. Yeah, and that was our original intention. We, we realised quite early on that most of the population of Western Australia thought that sorted out the forests in 2000 because there were, I think, the Forest Alliance got 25,000 people out on the street 
and um, demanded that the logging stop. And I think most people thought it had, but in actual fact, it hasn't. No. It's um, Industry has worked around that old growth definition, and it hasn't protected anything much at all. It's been very problematic. Um, so our main aim at first, is, well, still, is to get people aware, to make people aware that, that the forests that they hold dear are disappearing very, very fast mm. and that they haven't stopped it and they need to do this all over again and and don't have any um, kind of divisions in the forest. The forest is, is not just the trees. You know, the forest is a huge community and yeah. it's all one thing. You, you can't take bits of it out and expect it to regenerate and survive and keep on doing that. No. So our main concern is to get people aware of it, and we've made a well, we haven't made a movie where we've appeared in a movie called Cry of the Forest, which is um, we're showing it a lot around the state at the moment, and it's being very effective. People are shocked at what they see. Right. Is there so, any chance? Um, any chance? Feature in that, yeah. Uh, is that uh, online? Can we get a? Can we get a look at no, the program? Um, no, no, it, it should be shortly, and it will be also being shown over in the eastern states as well because it's relevant all over Australia. We realise this. Yeah. Well, that would be really helpful. We'd love to have a of look course. at that and be able to show it around the place and and maybe do a bit of fundraising over here for uh, for the WA cause. Uh, it's yes. very important that uh, I can I can see I'm looking right now at your Facebook page and I can see that you've got uh, John Butler up a tree. That's a good good John, bit of footage. John Butler, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great talent and uh, he, he's he's makes a, he's very coherent and uh, yes. and, and been yes. involved for oh, look, I think he's been involved for the last 30 years or something John for Butler. For a very long time and very active, yes. He's not He's having a concert down in Manjimup next week, which is in right in the middle of the forest country. Okay. Yeah, a big concert, and we're showing the movie as well. Fantastic. Well, that's great. Mm. Great Aussie talent getting behind this. It's uh, it's good to see you're gaining momentum, and, uh, you know, we, we're, uh, we're, it's inspiring from, from this far away to be seeing that, uh, that going on over there. What would you like us to do? What can we do to help now? What would you call upon our listeners today uh, to do? Well, it would be great if they supported their own nanas to um, to save their forests because I think you've lost um, an awful lot of your forest to fire, which we we have we just have lost some of them, but not as much as you have, I think. And we, we really need to in every state and every town we need nanas. I'd say nanas. Look, we have lots of young young women and men in our group as well as supporters. Um, just that the nanas do most of the talking because they like talking and because we've got time. We're, we're retired, you know. We've <laughs> plenty of time to talk. And also, we're not scared. We don't care. We don't care what happens to us. We care what happens to our children. But if, if people, your listeners, supported their nanas groups or started their own groups or supported their forest alliances, and it would be great for... Um, Nanas over there to link up with us—that would be fantastic. I didn't realise the nanas for the, the knitting nanas against fracking had gone into forest, but I'll get in touch with them. Oh, knitting nanas against gas in Lismore and uh, around, gas, around, yeah. Uh, yeah, knitting nanas against gas. Uh, the the NAG K N A G uh, groups uh, all throughout the uh, the mid north, uh, the, the the north coast and mid north coast, and all the way yeah. down to Sydney are all starting to, uh, to 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 see the, the the. I mean, they've always seen the vital importance of forests, of course, mm, but. Mm, uh, mm. But with with uh, with the forest uh, uh, issues becoming uh, foremost in their mind to some degree, they're, uh, they're they've been out in the forest. They've been fantastically effective, and I'm sure they'd love to hear from you. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Be, yeah. be great to work as a big sort of 
knitting kind of network. Connectwork. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know on one. I know yeah, connectwork. I know on one uh, one of the groups uh, in the mid north coast has changed the name from knitting nanas against gas to knitting nanas against greed, which is a, a much much broader uh, issue, yes. but uh, but yes. covers just about everything we are they are opposed mm. to. Yeah. Well, the issue, the issue is huge, but it's too big to grasp. Mm. I think um, forests, native forests, is really visible. It's something you can grasp, and it's something that's probably achievable. Mm. And it's a, it is actually a huge thing. Yes, indeed. It's not, it's not going to save the world, but it's going to start it. No, no, but I mean, it does address the issues of climate and yes. the issues of yes. water and and yes. uh, and the issues of, of biodiversity and our species loss, and it's and it's also about culture and all those other things. So it seems yep. to tie everything together really neatly. So I think that's uh, yes. it's wonderful, yes. wonderful to yeah, see. You, the... You've got it. I'm glad you're a nana. Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> died in the wool. Even if I'm not wearing my yellow beanie, I'm I'm an, at heart a nana, <laughs> yellow to the core, but. <laughs> Wild over that over there. We we try and dress very respectably. Oh, well, we do we do naturally anyway. But, yeah. um, you know we we, yeah. oh, we don't go. They, they, we don't go dressing up. No, no. Well, they're 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 a very respectable group, and and a very, oh, they're great. You know, they're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, Peter. Yeah. Thank you so much for for taking the time to talk to us over here today. It's great to hear your voice from from WA, and uh, and to hear that there's there's inspiring work that you're doing over there. It's 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 very exciting. Well, thank you very much for um, talking to me. That's no, fantastic. You're most mm. welcome. Please keep us uh, posted. Uh, uh, you know, environmental as anything, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll share this uh, interview up on our podcast, so you can share it fantastic. around if you want to, and other people will be able to tune into what you've been saying. And uh, yeah. we'll play your. Uh, we'll go out with your uh, native uh, forest anthem, your Nana's for Native Forests anthem. <laughs> Yep. And um, uh, we'll uh, we'll try to share your uh, your social media posts wherever we can. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for your support, Sean. No worries. Look, have a great day and uh, good luck uh, in thank in you. your forests. Yeah. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Peter. Bye. Bye. Well, that was Peter Goodwin. All the way from Western Australia, from uh, over there uh, in the most remote uh, capital city in the world, uh, doing their best, the, the knitting nanas for native forests, uh, which uh, they say, thanks for joining the knitting, the nanas for native forests, we mean business. <laughs> and I believe them. So, Nanas, if you're out there listening, you're uh, not alone. You're, the word is spreading across the country and across the world uh, that, that Nanas United shall never be defeated. As I promised, I will play the Nanas for Native Forest anthem and uh, a couple of other tracks uh, before I come back with uh, another interview uh, with Lydia Kindred. We'll be talking to Lydia about, uh, well, issues to do with our train tracks and developments uh, within the, uh, the, the, save, the, the, the movement to save them. Anyway, you're with Environmental as Anything. Uh, the time is now 35 minutes past four, 25 minutes to five. We'll be back soon. Listen, 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 listen. Nana's got something to say. Listen, 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 listen. She knows there's a better way. We are the Nana's for Native Farm. We're inviting you for tea It's time to sit and rest a while Stop acting 
Lydia Kindred on the line right now. Uh, Lydia's a local uh, working as the secretary for the uh, Northern Rivers Rail Line Limited. Sorry, I'll have to get her to repeat that to me. I think I might have got that wrong. Lydia, can you hear me? Yes, Sean. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. Sorry, I've uh, fumbled that. What's your uh, proper title? Well, I'm actually the secretary of Northern Rivers Rail Limited, which is a new not-for-profit public company that we've registered to represent all the people in the Northern Rivers and beyond who love this region uh, as uh, to work towards bringing rail services back to our region. Fantastic. So, uh, what, what's the, you know, you've, you've formed a, a limited company. What's, what's the purpose of the company then? Uh, the purpose is to bring rail services back. Well, to actually um, run rail services uh, for, through the company? Yes, Great. we can. Uh-huh. And uh, we, have, uh, we also have some plans to, because imminently uh, the, the two ends of our casino to Mwilumba line is threatened at this present moment by um, a legislation that went through in October last year in our state parliament where the coalition government and Labor both voted to allow the rail trailers to um, effectively pull up the tracks if that's what uh, they decide which they look like they're working towards. 
Uh, and what we're doing is we are wanting everyone in the region who supports rail coming back to become a member for $20. Um, if you want information, you can just email admin, A-D-M-I-N, at northernriversrail.com.au and we'll send you an application form. It's $20 to become a member. And what we're hoping for is we will have thousands, because we know there are millions around the world who want this to happen, to have this rail back again, uh, to become a member as soon as possible. And in the next month or two, to build up the numbers to the degree where we can actually show the council and the rail trailers and whoever, and the state government probably, that we do have a very large groundswell of support from people, which we know we do have, but people are putting their money where their mouth is at this point, and that's the whole idea that, that we actually... Um, we want to work with the rail trailers. We want to actually help them pay for better rail trails than on the railway road track because we want to save our tracks. It's just stupidity pulling them up and it's such incredible infrastructure, and... We will be helping them pay for the fantastic new um, technology, which is recycled plastic, raised cycleways, walkways, that can go in even more interesting ways around through the railway corridor and maybe, you know, around a beautiful tree or overlooking a lovely creek or something like that, rather than just sometimes the lines that go through cuttings, you know, and so yep. this is... So that, you know, that, that, sounds like, that sounds like a, a match made in heaven, uh, you know, a good way to end what might have been seen as a conflict between those two groups, uh, getting, the, getting the two things to become compatible. Uh, what's, what are you calling on people to do today? Because we have very limited time to talk about it, unfortunately. We'll have to get you back on to talk about the details more. Okay, sure. Talking. Yep. Well, if they would like to, um, they can um, at, at, go to that, web, to that uh, email address, admin, A-D-M-I-N, at northernriversrail.com.au, and we will send them out the information and the, um, the application forms, and that would be wonderful, the more the merrier. And on Thursday, there is a, if anyone wants to get there, there'll be a public meeting at the RSL in Mwilumbar at 6 o'clock next Thursday, the 21st. Right. And, but there will be further ones in Lismore and Casino in in February. Who's so, public meeting? Who's calling that? And what's the purpose? Northern Rivers Rail Limited oh, okay. to tell people about how it all is working and what we intend to do. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's Fantastic. the way to go. It's the only way. People power has to be the only way to go now because the government has refused to help us. And, uh, and I really totally believe we have the numbers to do it. So Thursday at the RSL Club in Mwilumbar at what time? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. And when did you say the Lismore and other events were? We haven't organised them completely yet. We're having a meeting at 5.30 at the Workers' Club this Monday night uh, with our Northern Rivers Row Action Group who are working with us. And uh, we were working to have uh, one in Casino and one in Lismore sometime in February, probably within three weeks from now. Awesome. Watch so this space. We'll keep people posted. Thank you, Lydia, for ringing in to get us uh, up to speed with that today. We definitely need to, uh, to hear more from you uh, in the future. Thank you so much, Sean. No, no worries. Have a great day. Thanks for joining Environmental as Anything. That was Lydia Kindred uh, from the Northern Rivers uh, Rail Limited uh, group who've just uh, just recently set up a, a, a commercial operation and uh, attempting to raise funds to actually put the trains back on the tracks where they, uh, they, they deserve to be.